We are continuing in our uh, series where we've been looking and considering spiritual gifts. If I asked if anyone can remember what we've looked at so far, I suspect there might be a moment of, ah, oh, now did, mm, did ooh, what was the, what, ah, what were they? Some people I know take notes, they might have an advantage. I'm not going to test you, it's okay. And there's people that haven't been here for all of them, so that's fine, it would be unfair if I uh, showed you up by not knowing. But we looked uh, at apostles and the idea of the gift of being an apostle. And uh, it's one of those words, we don't really talk about apostles these days. I don't know about you, I don't think in any other walk of life outside of the church you'd hear someone saying, ah, he's an apostle, look at him or her. not used. In fact, in churches, it's not used very often because we think of the apostles as the 12 disciples and then a few others in the New Testament, but they were of biblical times. It's a kind of title given to really important people. And I argued that, yes, there is a, a, a supernatural gift in one sense, but there's also the gift we're all made in the image of God. And in that sense, we're all given different spiritual gifts. And being an apostle, someone who's like an apostle is somebody, they're the kind of forward-thinking type person. They've got loads of, they're not, set, they're, not, they're not kind of settled with how things are. They always want a bit of an adventure. So someone like me, who likes wherever I am, I, I don't want to go on the same holiday, for example, same year, year in, year out. My wife might. I want to go to different places. I want to explore new places. I want to see what else there is. If I've got, if we're going to have a day out as a family, we could go to places we've been before. I want to go to somewhere new. And so we find a compromise in our family. We do some new and some old, which is nice. But it happens in all things. And those of you who have been around the church a while will be going, yeah, we get that from Rich. He doesn't stay still. He's always thinking about what's next. Then there's the prophets. In, in a sense, they're, they're similar, they're a bit forward-thinking, but, but prophets are those people who are, in the supernatural sense, have divine words and can see things much further forward ahead. They also come and give warning, and they tell us, actually, if you do this, this is going to happen. There's also those people who, just being made in the image of God, mean that they're those people that are looking forward. So they would know, for example, when you have a boiler installed. I've used this example a few times. I'm going to get a new one soon. But in 20 years' time, you probably need to be prepared because the boiler's going to break. Because that's what happens. The apostle isn't worried about that because they're going, yeah, that's done now. I want to move on. What's the next thing? The prophet's saying, no, you're going to be prepared. Then there is the evangelist. And you might have an image of a Christian evangelist that stands on a street corner and says, turn, come to Jesus. Or maybe they say more negative things. Being an evangelist, well, we should all be evangelists, really, but some people are more natural at it than others because they've got that kind of gift. That's just who they are. And it doesn't matter if they weren't a Christian or if they're not a Christian, they're going to be an evangelist about something, whether it's art or music, or sport, they're, gonna, they're the sort of person that goes on. They always manage to get their thing into conversation. From the perspective of the church uh, and Jesus, 
the evangelist finds it very natural to talk about Jesus and to share the good news of the gospel. I don't always find it natural. Some people it just comes up in conversation. You're talking about, I don't know, painting a wall or something and before you know it they're talking about Jesus and you're thinking, how did we get to that in the conversation? I just don't know. It's a natural gift. And so today we come to pastors. And I suspect if I said to you, what is the role of a pastor? You would all look to somebody like me or perhaps Richard down the road at St Matthew's and go, it's like a vicar or a priest. They're the pastor. That's the gift that they've got. Yes. But you get all sorts of different people taking on this kind of role. And some are not very pastoral. Because that's not their gift. They're much more the apostle or perhaps a teacher. And so they're really good in other areas, but then not the person that's really pastoral. I struggle with being pastoral sometimes because it's not my natural place to be. I mean, I care for people and I you know, want to be loving to you and do nice things for you. And I want to see the best in you. But actually, if you're in hospital or if you're ill at home, I don't mind coming to visit, but I don't really know what to do. I kind of go, well, I'm supposed to, because it's my role. Some people are just naturally pastoral. And in that, in that moment where someone's in distress or something's happening, they're just brilliant in that situation. My wife is fantastic in that situation, because she's not phased by hospitals or hospices or being in bed by bedsides and doing small talk, or if actually the person's too unwell to talk, that she'll talk anyway. Or just sit there and enjoy the silence. She might have a book and she might read to that person. I, I struggle with that. It's not natural for me. I mean, I'll do it, but it's, it's more of an effort than other things. And perhaps there's some of you that go, yeah, oh, oh, I'd rather not have to do that. And it doesn't have to be in a hospital. It can be, you know, someone's just ill at home where you've got to go and visit your grandma and you think, oh, I've got to, I don't know what to say because it's not, not natural. Or perhaps at coffee after the service, there's some of us that don't really do small talk. And we're kind of like, yeah, I'll give one or two people time. We'll have our little conversation over here. Other people, they just ask you how you're doing. And the way that they ask it, you just know they really care. Like if I say to you, how are you doing? And you say, yeah, fine, thanks. Quite often I'll go, great and I'll move on. Other people, they say, how are you doing? And you know from the way they've asked that they have got all the time in the world just for you. And if that means that they're only going to have coffee with you, and it's going to be half an hour or an hour, and it means that lunch is going to be late, or they then say, come, to, come back to our place. Let's meet up later. They just have a way about them. My wife is fantastic at that. The number of times that we somewhere that we've never been before because of me going, we've got to go on an adventure. And my wife is buying coffee or something and suddenly someone at the counter has shared like their life story. And I'm thinking, well, how did, you were gone a while, what were you doing? Oh, well, they just, I don't know why, they just told me all their stuff about they were going through a whatever at the moment and so I prayed with them. And, really? 
I go and buy coffee and I walk up to the counter and go, black coffee, uh, latte, uh, hot chocolate, uh, and yeah, juice, uh, and brownies, of course. And they serve those things to me and I take them to the table. The pastoral person, it's just different. They've got something about them. It's inbuilt because they're made in the image of God and that's the bit of God that shines through them. I know if I was serving tea and coffee after the service, I would make you a tea or a coffee and I would serve it to you. And then I'd say, who's next? And you'd get your coffee and that would be fine. There's no problem with that. The pastoral person, they don't just make you a coffee. You feel like you've been loved whilst they made you a cup of coffee or a cup of tea. Because they are filled with something of God that just shines through them. Now in this situation that comes up with the disciples, it's an interesting one from the passage today. In those days when a number of disciples was increasing, so the number of Christians is, is growing, there's more of them than there used to be. And the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews. Now, for those of you that like a little bit of a history lesson, there were different sorts of Jews. Okay, There's not just one type of Jew. There's a whole variety of different Jews, which is if you read the New Testament, you hear mostly about the kind of leadery roles, like the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the scribes. But they were different types of Jew, just as there's different types of Christian. And some, the Hebraic Jews, those that they, they read Hebrew, they understood Hebrew, they'd got the Hebrew scriptures. But what had happened was, the Jews had gone into exile, they'd been captured and taken into Babylon, and whilst they were there, they didn't have the Hebrew scriptures, so they got a group of um, scholars got together and they translated, they wrote out the scriptures in Greek, because that was the language that was used. And so then, there were the Greek scriptures. And so you've got these Jews who... They didn't know the Hebrew scripture, they only knew the Greek scripture. And they were slightly different, because when you translate something, if any of you have ever been on Google Translate, you type in a word, and you think you've got the right word when it comes back, it's just not always quite right. And so they were different. So there was one group of Jews were teach, treating the other group of Jews differently. And these weren't just Jews who didn't know Christ, these were Messianic Jews, Jews who knew Christ and were disciples of Christ. And yet they were still treating one another differently. They favoured their own kind over another. They were being racist. That's what was going on. And saying, we're going to treat our kind, the widows that look like us, and believe the same things as us. We're going to treat them one way and we're going to treat others a different way. Now the disciples, when they're, the, the apostles when they're approached on it, they said, well actually well, we've got things that we're called to do. We know that we've got to pray and we know that we've got to share God's word. So it's not for us to take on this role of looking after the widows, we know it needs to happen, but actually, it, we've got enough on already. But what we need to do is we need to appoint some people to act as overseers, to make sure that there isn't discrimination 
that whether you're black or white or rich or poor or young or old, male or female, that you get treated with the same respect as anybody else. And so they appointed people. And they appointed people to care for all of the widows, whether they were Hebraic or Grecian. And so, what we need to learn as a church, and I think we're, we're pretty good at welcoming people, even if I say so myself, there's always room for improvement. We need to encourage and equip those who are gifted as being pastoral, those who just love on people, whether they have a role that says you are in the pastoral team or you are serving to your couple. And we need to encourage and equip and empower one another so that those who have got those natural gifts. Now this doesn't mean that the rest of us that aren't quite as natural as it get let off the hook. We've still got to love one another. We need, as we work together, to share God's love, to really empower those who are gifted in naturally loving people to have roles where they are enabled to love people. So they're not doing administrative tasks, or they're not stood at the front preaching if they don't need to, or they're not doing whatever, so they are free to do the things that God has made them to do. Just as those of us that don't have that natural gift need to be equipped and empowered and freed to do those things that God is calling us to. And when we do that, when we as a church find ourselves where people are in positions, where they're using those gifts that God has given then so the word of God will spread. And the numbers of disciples, not in Jerusalem, but in Usley, will increase. And we will see people coming to faith. Let me pray.